Ed spent uh, the attractionist. I had to work two weeks last night, which is why I was tired. <laughs> yeah. You and I were living together. Oh, nice. In a, in a, in, in, as friends. Yeah. With the kids. Uh-huh. No wives. So we weren't married. No wives. <laughs> what do you think we were doing with our free time? Drugs? <laughs> Pretty much. What are we doing? All right. Are we back? All right. And we're back. Welcome to Recovery in the Middle Ages, the podcast about two middle-aged suburban dads and their their (laughs) pursuit of life, love, (laughs) and recovery. I'm Nat. And I'm Mike. And And boy, do we have have a show show for you. you. Was I supposed to read that? I I kind of liked reading it together. It was sort of hammy. Yeah. Um, Welcome back to a spectacular episode. (laughs) We, uh, we've got a lot of exciting things planned. Yes. And, um, whether we get to any of them is another issue. Yeah. Visit us on Facebook, Twitter, Apple podcasts, rate, review, subscribe. Uh, if you do a good review, we will read it. Um, so five stars all around. If you don't like it, you know, write us secretly and we will delete it without response. Or you could write your story on there and then we'll read that. Right. That way you kill two birds with one stone. You don't have to go to our website. I mean, you should, but you don't have to, you could just do it on the app. Apple site, write the review, and then we'll read it. Yeah. But I mean, we do want you to go to the website and, for, and go to the, for search engine optimization reasons that I don't fully understand. Mm. The website is cool. <laughs> Tell us Sorry. your story. And the merch, the merch, the merch, the merch. We're in process. Um, I've got a couple things I haven't even told Mike about, honestly. And um, one of them is we've got a listener who you've seen right to us, Jeff D., who has his own shop. Yeah, word up. Uh, he listens. He's an actual listener. Shout out to Jeff. N- not like my cousin or something. Like he's He really came <laughs> from the ether, heard us, and he's cool. He does ether? He's had, I used to snort ether. That was does fun. Does this smell like chloroform to you? Have you ever heard that one? Um, bad joke. And uh, he's got some an awesome merch shop. We were also trying to work on it on ourselves, the design. Um, but I'm I really, thought we did okay with We the did, but... Uh, well, you did. I, I wasn't... Did. Yeah, well, All I did was try and wear it. Right. And you, and you wear it well. Um, it was too small. I'm really I'm concerned about quality with that one provider because it's, yeah. it's like Spreadshirt and you upload the logo and then right. they handle everything. But I know for a fact, because I do shirts for my store, that doing it like a real like guy like that, silk screens, you know, you can get higher quality stuff. Yeah. And then if I can somehow streamline the order and management and shipping process without losing my mind completely, <laughs> Just gonna say that I would love to do that. And maybe a, he can help yeah. me help me with that. Um, it's, you know, um, sad, sad, uh, thing to talk about today. Uh, the passing of Colleen MC from the Dopey Nation. Mm. Um, yeah, you know, tragedy. uh, she's, she was just a really great, uh, recovery advocate, uh, a wonderful, beautiful person that I got to know on a Facebook page, which is crazy to think about that, you know, you you get so close to people like that. And, um, she was one of those people I, I hadn't had as much personal, um, contact with her as a lot of people, but, you know, I always would see her posts and, and she was really helpful, helped a lot of people, got her life together Mm -hmm. and was spreading the message. And, um, according to her family, uh, she, uh, she passed of COVID and it's just, it's one of those things that I think about being an addict, uh, in recovery, you know, like you do all this work and we work so hard to get to this point where you're sober and you're functioning, so to speak, and your, your family doesn't hate you and you're pursuing your goals and you don't want to kill yourself every morning when you wake up finally. And that's that's just the basics of life. Right. Like stop killing yourself so you can now participate in this life where shit happens. Yeah. Um, good people die. And... Uh, none of us is getting out of here alive, like my dad frequently says and has said, and it's true, and and it sucks. Um, but it's important to say that you know, for the rest of us that are still here, you appreciate everybody around you, even in people who you think you don't aren't real people who live in your phone because you're you're <laughs> only talking to them, but they're real people. And um, anyway, and so prayers and uh, for her family. Yeah. Uh, 
the great Colleen MC. Sorry to see her go. A lot of people just think like they they don't have to deal with the getting their lives back together. You know, <laughs> it's, like it's why just, do it if I'm just going to turn around and get hit by a car? You well, know, but I mean, you know, sobriety and and all of the attendant superpowers that come with it don't render you immune from Life. things like COVID <laughs> and the rest of the world. Right. Unfortunately, I mean, it, if it only were so, I mean, sometimes you can feel like you've got the world by the balls or. You yeah. know, if you've, you know, once you've mastered the little shit that's going on inside of you, but unfortunately, yeah. you know, COVID can lay you low. You could get hit by a bus. Well, Anything sure. can happen, you know. Um, and so it's just trying to make the most out of the moment you have right now because nothing else, frankly, is real. Um, the future is, you know, in, a, in your imagination. And in a lot of ways, your past is completely your imagination. You, that's pe- like an incredibly Buddhist thing that you just said. Living in the present. Yeah, because it's... Right. I mean, there's this whole thing about how we actually manifest time and stuff, but that's a little beyond the The scope of this show. (laughs) That's going to be my paranormal show where we discuss uh, (laughs) fringe scientific elements. In any case, Murphy's Law, finding the other side. Um, I'd just like to say thank you for showing up today and sharing on the relaxation podcast. (laughs) I figured we'd give it a little Christmas vibe, you know, because it is sort of Christmas. Well, in the spirit of Christmas, I'm trying to find the the, the positive side of a series of unfortunate events um, not produced by Lemony Snicket or read by. Uh, It's just my real life, you know, series of nightmares uh, in the minutia of the day to day is something I didn't used to notice when all I was thinking about is, you know, you know, getting my guy on the phone and meeting him by the, uh, Kentucky fried chicken on, uh, the Hempstead turnpike. But that was a long way to go. Yeah. Couldn't he meet you by the Kentucky fried chicken on Jericho turnpike? <sighs> no, for some reason. Cause he was stopping at his methadone clinic. Oh. Everything revolved around every morning he had to be at his methadone clinic at, at a certain time and line up to get your methadone. Right. Li- liquid handcuffs. Yes. Um, but then he would meet me at that, uh, yeah, I don't know that one, but near the hospital, it's on oh, that it's same near, road. Oh yeah. There's, okay. There's a KFC. Right. And, uh, yeah. So I would drive there. <laughs> That's when I was like working from home and I was like making money doing, you know, like data management and marketing I mean, consulting. You know, nowadays. So I could go they, anywhere. I yeah. feel calls while I'm waiting for dope. But you think they would come to you? I mean, that's, it's sort of like, look no. at, you know, got Uber Eats and DoorDash. Why not? So. Like, I never bago bago junk. Only once or twice did I deal with a professional dealer like that who took. Usually, I'm a middleman who's feeding his own habit, so they're not like businessmen who are, mm. you know, thinking yeah. about quality and taking no, care of a customer. Don't get high on your own supply. No, I knew I knew a girl in law school who was the secretary for one of those weed delivery groups. Oh, um, yeah, I've heard and, about this. He basically, groups. and I met him a few times. He was nuts. Um, but, uh, he was, a you know, he had that business pretty, uh, he made a lot of money Lockdown, yeah. in a very nice loft in Williamsburg. Did you, you ever, know. when you were living in, in urban areas, have a, have like a contact with one of those like delivery services that where you get anything you want, you get the business card, it's like magic hat or white glove or something like that. And they come to your apartment and it's usually like a young African American kid. You yes. Know. But one, once removed because I didn't want people coming to my apartment and sitting in my living room. So I would send them over to my friend's apartment <laughs> and awesome. do it in his living room. <laughs> it's great. Hey man, I did you know, if I get arrested, it would have been my license and stuff. So yeah, yeah. You got to think of other people. Yeah. I mean, of you. Yeah, right. I, and it, well, in the eighties, there was no such thing as calling up somebody to have dope delivered to your apartment in the Bronx. That just didn't, <laughs> didn't fly. No, no, it didn't work. Um, but Sorry, uh, I, I totally threw you off. Track. You threw off my my outline. Yeah. So, on top of everything else, just let me go. We're we're dealing with COVID. Everyone's dealing with it. I hate. I almost hate having to um, talk about COVID because I feel like there's COVID fatigue. But this is affecting everyone's life. You know, um, and the way it affected my life is my older son is like a mini me. And um, not all of the good ways uh, that he could be, but, you know, a lot of my negative <laughs> traits. Um, and so he, I get a call from the nurse, I think it was Monday from the school, that's, uh, Noah's here and uh, his, his stomach hurts and he says he really wants to go home, he's not feeling well. And I talk to him, <laughs> daddy, you know, um, What? 
say that in case right, someone's sorry, like, back. Uh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm somewhat, I did talk about this last week. So, um, just so you know, in case you know, <laughs> I am not losing my mind. It's already lost. <laughs> I can't lose it anymore. So, um, so we had that and I was homeschooling and that was a nightmare. And then Monday comes around and we get a, a call Sunday night from the elementary school. My other son, they had a COVID and Monday school shut down. Now, had a COVID. my wife cannot take a day off right now. She's a teacher covering three different schools for annoying reasons. And it, I, and I hate to, to put stuff uh, like that on her. Now that I'm kind of a free man, I am a free man. I have a car even, and, um, you know, I'm responsible, so to speak. So now I, I love to be able to make up for all those years I wasn't, and I want to do everything. Mm. So I'm, no, honey, don't worry about it. I'll set him up in my store, and he'll, you know, do that. But he's six, and is he's relentless, just... Right. Nonstop. And then, and I, one time, and my, and I'm, I don't like, I try and be like, really? Oh, that's so interesting. Like, I really yes. want him to believe I'm, I'm engaged. And I'm, I try and look him in the eye when he's talking to me, shake, you know, really mm -hmm. listen to him. But I really, I, I, I have things to do. I'm at the store. I'm also taking my own class. I'm in the last week of my college classes. So I've got, you know, I'm in a Zoom class that I'm trying to catch up the work for before it comes on at 930. Max is, I'm trying to get him on his computer, set up with his classroom. You know, we leave the house. I've forgotten his backpack. We go back to that. You know, it's I'm going back and forth. We're late. <laughs> I'm late in my class. Something's wrong with my computer. I can't even get on to Mike. Like, everything goes wrong. I've had a lot of those days lately, Nat. Yeah, I know. And uh, it's been Murphy's Law. And, um, man, I really, I think it was that Monday where I had, like, a sober bottom like <laughs> I heard people talking about this when I first was getting clean I've been sober 20 years and two weeks ago I had the worst day I've ever had and nothing to do with drugs mm. but I didn't drink over it and uh and so I definitely I mean like I think it, it was had the feeling of a total snap like I just like I got so depressed mm -hmm. and um, and I forget, like, and then I was texting stuff to like my wife and my mom who was like checking in. Hey, how are you? And, um, and I just, I wrote some like really dark, like, uh, you know, things aren't, yeah, I should have been, I should have re read them to you, but <laughs> it was just like, clearly I was in a weird, you know, in a very, very negative spot. Like mm -hmm. I'm very, I don't want to say Pollyanna, but one of the ways I get through this life you know, is by being positive and taking situations that most people would like ruin their day. Like, Hey, here's the solution. Here's how we're getting around. Right. Like always, 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 always. And I, I just, I just hit my limit or something. And, and I got my wife on the phone and I was like sobbing. I completely really? lost it. Totally sobbing. Like it was, it was weird. It was really weird. I felt like I was vomiting and uh, it was nuts. And then, uh, she was like, what's going on? And I just like, I didn't, I mm. don't know. I was just vomiting all of this, like crying and like, oh, it was like the kind of crying where like your face is scrunched up and it's like awful. And then, um, and then my, and then my mom had called and I couldn't hold it in. Mm. Like I couldn't like get it together and be like, hey, right. I'm fine, mom. It was just like, blah, like cry, cry, cry. Wow. And, um. And my son is in the back of the store and my store is open. Not thankfully or, you know, unfortunately, we're not, we don't have customers coming in, you know, coming on and seeing this all go down. But, um, I finally, I had to close the store. I said, I had to go home and I took, uh, I was okay to drive, but, um, hmm. and, and I went home and I'm like, I'm sick. I'm just going to say I'm sick. And, uh, cause I was, I just well, felt awful. I mean, that's just as valid as any other sickness. You know, and I literally, I, and I hadn't slept in the past few days really because uh, I'm trying to catch up for my classes. I have hundreds of pages to read. Dude, you got a lot on your plate, man. It's no wonder and you. finals are coming and the store is just falling apart. I mean, just mm. any retail business right now. I mean, I'm looking right. for how am I getting out of this with something positive, right. if anything. Um, and that's very scary, but there are some good opportunities that have come up that uh, I'm not going to talk about just yet, but they're exciting, but still. Uh, and so I went through all of that and um, I went, I'm sorry, I'm going to call. I went through all of that and um, I was, 
uh, able to sleep. My wife came home and she was great. You know, she tried to talk to me and I was pretty despondent and I was just so like sad. I was just sad. Mm. And then I slept, 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 slept and she was great and she didn't know what to do, but she, you know, I didn't drink and I didn't, I just didn't drink. I didn't go for a drink. Did the the thought occur to you? Um, kind of, I felt like I was so out of it, but it kind of occurred to me like, Hey, this is when I would drink, you know, maybe, but, but no plan. You didn't make a plan. I did not make a plan to drink, which is really interesting. Mm. Um, and uh, the fact that I was able to talk to... It sounds like you called people, which is important. It was, I, I did, and I don't feel like I did it, like, knowingly. I don't know, like, it wasn't this, like, oh, I'm ha- I'm in trouble, I better call somebody. Like, it kind of, like, organically, like, I got mm-hmm. lucky almost, you know. I should have had a better plan, because I haven't felt that way in a long time. So, I, luckily, you know, Christine didn't, like, suspect I was wasted or something, and, and I right. wasn't, and I guess you can tell the difference. But that's in the back of my mind, too. Like, I just look like I had some drunken, she, you know. Your wife can tell the difference between uh, using and a mental breakdown. Uh, yeah, she, she can. <laughs> and, um, through, uh, you know, and that, that brings me, but listen, I got through that, and um, my kid, even my son, like, you know, like, like my oldest, like I always put him to bed and read to him, but you know, I woke up, they woke, she woke me up at his bedtime, like nine 30. Can you just go down, lie down with Noah? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Okay. And I was still a little, you know, and I went in and he like, he's like, you want me to read you a story? And it was so like, it was so nice. And he was like, Wait, he wanted to read you a story. Yes. Oh, that's cool. Um, he wanted to read me a story and, uh, he did. And it was just, man, I like, I felt like it was so cathartic. I got it all out. And, um, and the next day, I felt better. Great. Uh, yes, great. <laughs> um, but, but it was not good. Um, no. Now, I, I've been diagnosed, and, and listen, I know this is like a type of thing that is very like personal, and I thought about, and is this something I really want to like tell you know, talk about, but I think if I don't talk about this specifically, mm-hmm. I'm really missing an opportunity to talk to people out there who may be suffering these kinds of feelings and, you know, right. And, um, and I used to be medicated for these things, but it was really close to when I got clean. So I'm not sure how much of the diagnosis diagnoses I got were directly true. Maybe Mm. they were true at that moment chemically. Right. But after some time away from drugs and my body is rebalancing, uh, and I did titrate off of all of those medications with the doctor. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was, I've been solid for a couple of years, emotionally anyway. I haven't been relapsing, but uh, that day, it, and then it made me think maybe I ought to revisit, you know, uh, some of those medications. I know. and uh, But it really made me want to think about, like, well, do I really want to sacrifice my highs? Like... I well, get a yeah. lot done. But I, I hear that with bipolar, that's a lot of the resistance to medication sure. is people like find, find themselves to be incredibly productive and creative. I don't know that I could have, but we could have done this show. I don't know that I could have, you know, gone back to college. Yeah. I don't know that I would have had the wherewithal, you know, mentally if I had been medicated. And I say that because I have experience taking these medications. And so I'm not just... Uh, having a fear reaction from something I heard in the internet. Mm-hmm. I've actually taken for long periods of time different types of bipolar and depression medication. So I know what it does to me. I'm aware of what I'm going to lose if I do it. And I say, if I can get through my deep, bad, you know, re- times when my uh, when my emotions get the best of me um, and I can come out of it okay... Isn't the positive outweighing the be- the negative there? I mean, like, I didn't kill myself. I didn't go, <laughs> well, you know, a on a bar, bender. <laughs> you gotta... Um, I got through it. Yeah. And maybe that's what I should have done. And maybe, maybe I can actually be myself without being kind of numbed on all, on all sides. Um, I don't know. This is something I really want to discuss with an actual psychiatrist. If, you right. know, with a clear head where I'm not trying to manipulate to get some kind of mm-hmm. medication, I'm finally at a point where I'm going to just be 100% honest, you know, which it took practice for me, to be honest with doctors. I think a lot of people, well, I'll speak for myself, it was hard for me. Um, and so a now... Lot of people find the same thing. Yeah, I, I don't have that trouble anymore. I'm very practiced in, like, you, you know, like, I know people are listening to this now, and that makes me happy, and it also makes me scared. Um, because, uh, you it's know, not that many people. 
you know, more more than would I would have talked to had this not been right. recorded and distributed. That is true. true. So, um, any case, that is something that was weighing on me that I wanted to talk about, and um, I know I kind of hit you with a bomb. I hadn't like mentioned. Yeah, this to it's you. it's I, I feel like part of me wishes you had called me earlier on in the week. You could have cried on my shoulder. I was thinking I would have been about there for that, you, man. and I'm like, I don't know. It's <laughs> you know, I wasn't that calculating. I was really like. I is, like I, you know, I'm one of those, like, I don't want to bother anybody with, you know, nightmares and stuff that's going on. Everyone's got, got it bad enough, you know. Well, I mean, keep an eye on that depression, man, because. Yeah, I'm trying to know, be more aware of it this time and be like, wow, and uh, look at my last couple of weeks, my patterns, you know. And I mean, if you think about it, this time of year is just, it's fucked already from the, everybody, you know really into the whole holiday thing when, you know, maybe these people are not so into the holiday thing and you got the pandemic on top of that and you got the, the political situation and, the, and everything about 2020 is just fucking a ton of bricks on top of your head. Yeah. And, and it's, and it's personal for you with the store and everything. So it is. You know. And, um, and I've been pretty good at seeing the positives and I still am. And, and even that very next day I had a complete, you know, you know, change of view, and mm. I, and I went back to like, well, look, there's vaccine is coming. Like, I can yeah. I can peel off like ten or twenty great things about 2020. Believe it or not, yeah. And um, maybe I, I want to challenge the listeners uh, out there. Give us ten good things that came out of um, 2020. Ooh, um, ten. Give ten me is ten. A lot. I want ten because I could think of ten. I, I could. I don't know. Um, five. Maybe. Give me five if, if you're so inclined. <laughs> and. Um, and in any case, another, we're going to move on from this dark, depressing subject. It's actually a positive subject because I'm doing great right now and I feel good. Good. And uh, I can talk about it. And yes. I, you I'm seem not perfectly in, normal or I, abnormal or whatever you I usually am. are. That's what you are today. I, I'll even tell a respected neighbor of mine whose child is friends with my child who go to the same school, who attend the same Cub Scout meetings. And I... D- don't mind. I'm open. I feel comfortable. Good. And I think that's important. It is important. I'm not trying. I'm not putting on any airs here. Don't put on any I'm airs. I'm struggling here. Um, really exciting news. Um, Jed from Church and Other Drugs, this um, a breakout podcast about uh, Church and Other Drugs um, with Jed. It's been going on a long time. He's got a lot of listeners, a lot of subscribers. I love his show and I love his angle on recovery. Um, we were uh, interviewed on that podcast. Yeah, yeah, he, so to speak. He put us on the show, and when we didn't let him say anything, and just like steamrolled it. But I think it was good. So we, you know, in the spirit of our appearance, we're going to just stay out of Jed's way and let him talk. <laughs> right. Really, though, I want to. Do you talk. think we can do that? <laughs> I think it's going to be. You know, we might have to mute the mics. It'll be like the presidential debate. You right. We're going to have the moderator muting us. But I'm looking forward to that. We're going to talk about. Um, I'm hoping to talk about uh, religion. Uh, th- spirituality in recovery, his, his angle on it. And because it's Christmas is coming, we're even going to dive into, um, you know, Jesus based stuff, which I know makes a lot of people uncomfortable, but me uncomfortable. it's a lot of people out there who, who say he saved me, he saved me. So let's hear about that. Sure. Um, you know, cause uh, I'm on that side a little bit. Uh, I am a Christian, but, um, any case, excited to hear from Jed on the uh, RMA Festivus Spectacular. Uh, we'll do Is the that going to be the one with Jed? Mm-hmm. Okay. Are we going to air our grievances with Jed? I don't know. We got to talk. I don't about have any one. grievances with Jed. We're, we're having an odd time to record Jed's interview because of his schedule, and um, so I'm thinking that we just do his interview, and then we'll do our show regularly. Yeah, we'll splice it in. Yeah, yeah. I'll send it to the editing department. Um, okay, we're going to move on. I have so much stuff here. What do you think? Do you want to move on? Yeah, I mean, uh, unless you want to talk about where we're going to get our Festivus poll, but I think um, we'll just leave that alone for the time being. Yeah, the Festivus poll. Um, yeah, I have some other news, but I feel like we are, you know, I had some addict behavior this week besides some really funny addict behavior that um, I, I noticed, you know, <laughs> afterwards, but... Um, uh, my son, had, we, we have a neighbor who gets us these really awesome um, European, like, can, you know, chocolate and candies, you know, the, from like the Irish grocery or something mm. like that. And so there's this one chocolate bar called a Crunchy, which is the most amazing chocolate anything I've ever tasted in my whole life. Is it like a Nestle's Crunch bar? Not even close. Mm. It's... A wafer? 
it, it's listen to this. It, it's like a honeycomb mm. from a bee's nest, really? presumably, covered in chocolate. Wow. It is good. freaking a miracle when you taste this thing. Wow. So we have a thing where, you know, Brendan will get, you know, a couple, two for him and he'll get a couple for me or whatever. But this time Noah stole them and uh, I couldn't find him. He was, he really like, cause we have a thing about these crunchy bars. So he was, I saw half a crunchy bar. Clearly he had started it left on a, on the, uh, <laughs> on one of the coffee tables. Uh, and, uh, I walked by it. I, I had it out of my right eye and I go, <gasps> Like, like I just saw a bag of, bag of dope. And then I'm like, where's Noah? And I'm trying, he's watching TV. I'm like, hmm. I'm like, I walk by and I say, hey, what's up? Guy? Can I get you a snack or something? No, I'm fine, <laughs> daddy. I'm like, he's fine. He must have forgotten about it. Yeah. And then I, I, I walk back around. I did again, like I'm being watched or something. I finally find my opportunity. I go and I grab it. And I take a bite quick and I put it back. I'm like, he won't notice that. I'm going to keep going. And I walk back around, chewing on my bite. I'm like, oh man, that's good. I don't think I can leave the rest of it. How many bites did you take out of this? Well, like a good addict, of course, I had to finish it because by the time I took too many bites, he would definitely notice. So I ate the whole thing and then I hid the evidence. Yeah. (laughs) Did you help him look for it afterwards when he started (laughs) to wonder where it was? I should have. He hasn't asked yet, thank God. But yeah, it, it reminded me of that funny saying, an alcohol will steal your wallet, but a drug addict will steal your wallet and help you look for it. Yeah. So, uh, sorry, um, I'm standing up walking yep. around. All right. So let's move on. We've got a couple of topics to talk about. One of them. Why don't you talk about it here? I feel like I've been talking a lot. Talk, talk, talk. Uh, okay. Yeah. So sort of apropos of, of the week you were Right. Um, look at me. On the I'm mic. Amateur. The I'm mic. not even on the mic. So uh, you started reading uh, Gabor Mate's In the Realm of Hungry Ghosts and suggested that I read it as well. Yes. Uh, and well, you, I got the idea from you. Just I want to say that's that. Right, that's right. Because we talked about it early on. Um, I think I even threw a link to it. In and then the one of our episode. guests, I think yeah. the, the great Aaron Aaron Moore. Moore, I think, yeah. also mentioned it. And yeah, it made yeah, me yeah, like yeah, say, yeah. oh, well, Aaron thinks it's cool, and so you don't know. <laughs> yeah, no. It, and, you know, the thing is, he has that famous TED Talk where he talks about trauma being at the root of all addiction. I've uh, never seen stuff. that famous TED Talk. Um, I, I linked to it in our show notes for episode number one. Oh. So you can find it there if you want to go resource, back. Give us an extra download, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. um, and um, I've always had like a, I've always had like a, dis, I don't know. I never liked the whole idea of that trauma thing. And I, so I was, I went into reading this book with this idea that I was not going to like this oh. guy, that I was going to go in there and I was going to find Bi- bias confirmation. Yes. I was going to right. I was going to, and then, and you know, as a lawyer, I'm trained to find the flaws in everybody's arguments and exploit them and exaggerate them and make them seem worse than they actually are. It sounds right? like my childhood. It reminded me of my father. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, there's a whole thing we could go into. Um, but surprisingly, you know, I'm about, Full disclosure, I'm I'm not quite 50% of the way through the book, but I find myself being more swayed by the stuff I've read thus far than I expect it to be. Yeah. You know? He's very, very convincing. and uh, He is, and he's, he's a good writer. He's smart. Uh, he's smart. But but anyway, so we're of necessity, the book is so broad and deep that I think it's going to take more than one episode. This is a multi-part series. It. I, it has to be. And we haven't decided whether or not we're the type of podcast who does multi-part series. Right. But I like, I yeah. like podcasts that do multi-part series. So yeah. that's part of what I'm do. We want to do here is if like, they're interesting. Right. right. Um, Astonishing legends did a six parter on the the, 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 the famous Bigfoot photo, Patterson oh yeah. Giblin, six, two hour long episodes. <laughs> on one photo. But it's a video, so you've need. To I've seen the video, and they go deep into the people who made it. They get interview. It's amazing what the, to try and determine the you know. Didn't they determine that was a fake though? No, <laughs> no, they didn't. Well, I must have watched a different Man, different documentary. We are watching different documentaries. <laughs> so go on. Uh, anyway, so um, so for those of you who are not familiar with with Dr. Gabor Mate, he is a um, physician. I believe he was a gynecologist or an obstetrician uh, Ooh, by la training la. up in, <laughs> up in uh, Can you Canada. bleep that? I, I'd like to bleep that. I'm not even sure what <laughs> that was. I know. Uh, no, on. I'm going to leave that in. Oh, Jesus. Um, so There's nothing ooh la la about an obstetrician. No. I don't know why I would ever It's the obvious. The, I mean, the opposite, rather. It really is. So. Um, but, you know, they uh, perform a well, 
regarded a necessary role. Wouldn't yeah. be my first choice of careers. Yeah, but, that that, that was a regrettable comment. All right, moving on. Anyway, so um, that was his... That was his medical training. And then he took a job um, working up in Vancouver, um, working with drug addicts and alcoholics who lived in this, um, it's, it's sort of like a group home, but it was like a hotel that the Canadian government in their wisdom just sort of decided to try some different approaches to addiction. So they set up a safe needle exchange. They decided that they would have a, have a doctor on staff. And it was really for sort of the lowest of the low uh, you know, street addicts who, you know, had a really hard time and could never integrate into society, but they were still provided with housing and medical treatment and a certain amount of money and so on. And, you know, it was basically just a, um, a kinder way of dealing with addiction at its lowest point, right? Mm-hmm. So working with those people over the years, that sort of informed Dr. Mate's um, opinions about addiction. And then he went on to study and write several books about it. And his thesis is is essentially that addictive patterns of behavior are rooted in alienation and emotional suffering. And then he goes on to draw the, the line and says that that's inseparable from Western capitalism, which by favoring striving and competition and acquiring over caring, uh, we end up shortchanging and traumatizing children and families. Now, that is a pretty broad fucking way yeah. of looking at addiction. Uh, and I'm not so sure where I what I think about that broader argument, but, um, but he's saying that a lot of the stuff that happens in your childhood, the more stressful and screwed up it is, the more likelier we are to become addicts as a substitute for nurture and connection that we never receive from our parents. Ah, so it's very clear then. Yeah. Well, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, then he, then, you know, his, his definition of addiction is a little different from, uh, the norm. Uh, it, he, it's, 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 it's a three-parter. It's craving relief and pleasure in the short term with negative outcomes in the long term, along with an inability to give it up. Sounds about right. You think? I don't know. Like, what do you disagree with? Uh, I, I found myself just like agreeing with him a lot. Like, yeah, I, I, I was reading it and then it was, I was re- while I was reading it, I'm like, oh, I don't think I believe that. And then, <laughs> and then the more, cause I listened to it because I'm a 10 year old and I need to be read to, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I found myself being like, you know what? That makes a lot of sense. So that expands the definition of addiction significantly beyond substance abuse. Well, he's right? not a disease model guy. He's not. It doesn't sound like But, that. you know, he cites religion, sex, gambling, shopping, eating, the internet, relationships, work, extreme sports, all of it supposedly has potential sets off the same for, yeah. biochemistry and Well, here's all the of thing. That. I don't think he's wrong. I think on a... On a on a molecular level, on on a very, on a chemical level, you know, you do get a serotonin spike. Some when you make a post, somebody hits like. I think I think it's been proven that people get a similar serotonin spike. Now, of course, when you snort cocaine, it goes four hundred percent above, you know, what you normally feel, and that's why it's it creates um, a physical, you know, a mental health disorder, right? But. You know, there's reason to what he's saying. It's a good argument there be- is. because it does have the same thing with food addiction, gambling. It seems a little reductive to me, though, to like basically say that the serotonin spike is the sine qua non of addiction, right? Right, but in a in an industry and in a world where man, we are searching for that. We want, we need that. I feel, I think we need that in order to get a handle on this. Mm. I think there has to be, and I think we talked about it as like a. Uh, a uh, unifying theory, the unified field theory of addiction. Mm-hmm. I think if we can get something like that solidified, something along, maybe it's not exactly what he's saying, but I love the idea of like a, a unified theory of like, here's what we understand from the 10,000 foot view of how addiction works. And then you can go down on each of the branches and deal with the, the specific issues. Um, I think I agree with a lot of well, the childhood stuff. I think, yeah. you know, some of the most interesting uh, parts I was just reading is is how they've proven, apparently, he's done, done studies and written papers on the effect that just a mother's look into an infant's eyes, yeah. how that changes their chemical makeup. Mm-hmm. Um, is that's groundbreaking and wow, what if that really is a huge part of it? What if we could somehow make it so that every kid makes sure they get a certain type of like eye contact? Like what if it's that simple? Well, I mean, there, it's not, but there's a lot of, um, uh, 
there is a lot of truth in that. And there's a lot of research that's gone on about that, which is why often adopted kids are, are more highly uh, represented amongst addictive uh, populations. Yeah, and it sort of explains yeah. the the theory that it's all genetic, and mm. I inherited it from my family. But you're like, no, maybe they're just passing on parenting styles. Mm. Maybe that's it. This well, one learns from this they one. They haven't found a gene yet. No, but they have found genetic, you know, correlations. And, yeah, and Dr. Mate's assertion that like this is destructive, calling it a genetic disorder because it makes people who aren't able to, you know, do the, uh, the treatment that they are considered is, um, the only one, then they give up and, uh, go on a killer bender, you know, and that happens all the time. Mm. Uh, according to what we know about success rates, we're looking at 5% of people that get it five, maybe 10, um, that will stay sober for a year after, um, 12 step and inpatient treatment. So, but obviously there's a difference between someone who's addicted to, um, or in terms of how you deal, how you treat, uh, the addiction, somebody who's addicted to crack cocaine versus somebody like Dr. Mate, who is, uh, addicted to buying classical music CDs but, or considers himself addicted. Sure. Cause, cause his, his, thing is that addiction is not the external activity. It's not the smoking crack. It's not the buying CDs. It's your internal relationship to the behavior. Mm. Right. So, right. so you can extrapolate that from, from CD buying to crack addiction to video games, um, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, I, I don't know if that's an oversimplification. It seems like it might be to me. Maybe, maybe it's just getting a handle on the very basic thing that is addiction. Maybe, you know, because, um, I do, you know, like, I like, listen, uh, one time I heard, uh, on a, on a, uh, speaker tape, or I used to listen compulsively to NAAA, everything a, I had this app called sober meditations. And I, for a while, I went on one of my manic things where I listened to everything that was out there. One of the speakers was great, really great. His name is Vincent. I don't even know where to find it now if I, if I had to. And he said he opened up his uh, spiel with, um, I'm an addict. My name and my problem is Vincent. Mm-hmm. And that has stuck with me for ever since then. And any time I get to speak, I try and do that myself. I feel like I'm ripping them off every time I do it. But it feels like this is part of like the message I want to get out there. My problem is me. Um, I'm an addict, yes, but my problem is me. And what so, does that mean? Because I hear right. that and I, I re- completely reject it. Out okay. of hand. I, I, I find that yes, the whole, finally pro- have a disagreement. The, pro- the whole problem, <laughs> one of the huge problems in addiction is people who have to sort of reconnect with their self-esteem. And if you go around defining yourself as the, as your problem, yeah. I, I, I have a hard time seeing how that advances the ball down the field to getting you, you know, in a, in a, in a place of higher self-esteem. Okay. Understood. So here's my answer to that. My answer is I, for many years, and I think a lot of addicts go around thinking, if I could just stop mm-hmm. doing heroin, if I could just stop, if I could just this, if I could just that, and then you get thrown into a detox or you go to a detox, you spend seven days getting the drugs out of your system, you leave there on nothing, which is typically what happens. Uh, sometimes you get some recovery meds, but you get clean. Why then return to doing drugs? You no longer have a physical addiction. It's because there's something in you that needs addressing, something that you have been overlooking, something that you have been avoiding about Absolutely. you. But is that, is that, are you a problem? Like you defining yourself as a, my problem is me? So. Because, I mean, what about all the people that, you know, that that is not their recovery trajectory? Because well, there are plenty of people who, absolutely. Do, you know, they decide one day this shit is fucked and mm. that's it. You know, <laughs> it, it happens. Yeah. So, I, so I did would, they not have any pro- internal problems? So I mean, uh, the answer, short answer is they still have internal problems, more, most likely. But the, the important thing is not to speak for other people and what may work for them. Um, but you're just saying you had to get that message out to everybody that they should be seeing themselves. I I feel like it's a, it's a universal problem and that the people who don't relate to that are far fewer than the ones who will. Mm. So, but you make a good point. That's why I think a spectrum of addiction is like really hits home with me. 
Um, uh, and I think when it comes to saying I'm my problem, when you hear that, you have a visceral reaction that's like, you know, you have a whole philosophy behind uh, why that's bad. But if you look at it, the way I'm looking at it is not so much like that's a bad thing. I see that as that's good because it identifies for me what I need to be working on. That's more what it is. Okay. So I can see that. When I say that, it's more of an identification. Okay. I'm the guy. I have to go internally. Like, cause all this outside stuff, outside stuff is great. Even when I went to 90 and 90, sat through meetings, this, that, the other thing, I still wasn't working on or fixing the thing inside me. I, I won't say me then. Maybe that's a simplification. It's the things inside me that I haven't processed that I, uh, that still nag on me, the, the secrets or whatever it is. But when I finally started to like look inside more instead of like, if I could just, that's why geographic locations don't usually work because mm-hmm. no matter where you go, there you are. Right, of course. Now, so you're not a problem, but there's a problem inside uh, you that's or better. me. I like that better. All right. But it's not as easy on, on like a, you know, for a motto or it doesn't go on a t-shirt. <laughs> but, but, but I think that's but a, now you but understand I think a big I, difference. Okay. So, I but mean, now you understand I do I understand because of course internal work has to be done. Of right. course it does. But it sounds obvious to, to you maybe now, but when I first got into this, all I thought about is if I, I got to stop drinking, which yes, you do. Mm-hmm. But once you do that and you're kind of like, okay. And, and for a lot of people, that's where the steps come in and it helps guide them onto a, a taking inventory. And right. all of that stuff is, is effective. I mean, if, if we accept Dr. Mate's, um, you know, theory about trauma, that it informs that all addicts have experienced some kind of it by, by telling that addict that they are the problem because of the trauma that they received. I think that that without a full understanding, if they don't have a full understanding of what exactly that means when you say that they are the problem, they're going to it's just more self abuse and more self-recrimination when, when really what you're trying to do is get somebody to look inside them right. and heal the trauma that was, that came from, that didn't come from inside of them. Mm. It came from outside. So you don't like the intro. My name and my problem is that I always thought that I, was pithy, I don't, clever I, and yeah, I don't love it. Deep. I don't love it. I'm never going to say it again. You can say it. No, I, mean, I don't I'm want not, to. I don't want to, I, you know, I no, don't want to tell you what to say. My partner doesn't approve of it. <laughs> we're, See, now you're just being passive aggressive. No, <laughs> Listen, you know, we're a brand together, recovery in the Middle Ages. We have to be, you know, well, part unified. Of, part of the brand is that we take some, we take different approaches sometimes. Right? Yeah, so this will be yeah. a different... I, see, but I don't even think we have different approaches. I think we just have... I, I think it's a semantic difference. I think it definitely is. Yeah, okay. um, yeah. so Gabor Mate. Um, can I, can there's I just, so much more we can talk about. Yeah, can I just drift, keep drift into trauma a little bit? Because Please um, drift into trauma. You know, some, some people have... You know, treatment professionals, whatever they are, uh, have disagreed with with his pronouncements about the inevitable con- inevitable connection between addiction and trauma. And I used to think also that that was a, a little bit of overreaching mm. on the part of of Mate. That, but th- but then um, I read an interview with him uh, when I was doing research for the show. Like how I put that in there that I do research for the show. Yes. I love and, I love um, to hear that. He said. Um, Okay, so here's a quote from him. When I give my talks across the world, it's not unusual to have someone stand up and say, well, you know, I had a perfectly happy childhood and I became an addict. Uh, And then he said, it usually takes me about three minutes of conversation with a person like that to locate trauma in their history by simply asking a few basic questions. Not me. (laughs) I I had a psychiatrist with with that exact, I think that's Freudian, right? Is that Freudian? But, but okay, so, so the definite, so Mate, uh, embraces a very broad, expanded ver- uh, definition of trauma, and this is something that Aaron and I were like went through when we were when our son was going through some issues, and the psychiatrist said, you know, some of the stuff that that we did in reaction to his um, use of pot and some of the you know ways we chose to deal with it uh, may have traumatized him. And I said, well, that's ridiculous because that's you know none of that is trauma. That's just discipline, <laughs> you know, Denial not, is not a river we in Egypt. Right. Well, like. I, there was no punching. There was, you know, there's no physical, we don't, we're not physical people. Um, you know, and so, so it gets you to the question like, well, is taking away someone's video game for a week, could that traumatize them? You know, is that what we're looking at by, in terms of an expanded definition here? Is any I mean, kind of punishment trauma? I mean, well, I don't know because, you know, so, um, 
because Mate goes on to say that trauma can be understood in the sense of the adverse childhood experiences criteria, which include emotional abuse, sure. physical abuse, sexual abuse, a parent dying, a parent being jailed, a parent being mentally ill, violence in the family, neglect, mm. divorce, or relational trauma, which doesn't mean you need to be hit. If the parents were stressed or distressed mm-hmm. or distracted, sure. if their own trauma got in the way of attuning with the child, that's enough to create the lack of sense of self in the child, and that's considered trauma also. Wow. Cause, uh, because yeah. my mother was an alcoholic. No, so I, I, I never thought I of that experience that. as particularly traumatic, but I think we, in hindsight... Or looking back, yeah. the way my I grew up in that household, I, it was well, definitely a lot of neglect going on there. I mean, I am in agreement with that. I, I am think, too. I think that that is accurate because, you know, I had a, a Freudian psychiatrist that um, had uh, those similar, like, what what happened to you? It was the first thing. And I said, mm-hmm. um, nothing. I had a great childhood. I loved my parents. Um I never wanted for anything. I didn't even have to attend any funerals till I was in my twenties. You know, like right. I, whatever. I, you know, I look back on it like no, there was no. And I thought he was insane, and he's convinced it's it's like an abscess that's growing inside mm-hmm. you, and it's filling up with pus, and it's gonna you're gonna die of sepsis, um, <laughs> a uh, proverbial sepsis, I guess, or a metaphorical sepsis of the soul, and. Um, and I, I didn't believe him at the time, and I've spent a lot of time thinking about it, especially the time since I've been clean. I've been, you know, memories pop up, and I'm really, really looking. And I usually joke with people, and I say, most of the trauma that I endured as a child was musical in nature. Um, <laughs> because, and it's... <laughs> Your parents into, like, swing bands or something? Uh, how to describe my parents. Anytime you say something that triggers a song memory in my father's head, something from the well, 20s to the 40s, he will, belt it out. he will sing it. <laughs> Acapella, no matter where we are. Wow. Not only that, as a child, my family has something called the birthday songs. I don't know if you ever heard me sing this at a birthday we've been at lately, but it's about six songs. And ever since I was, we do this to my children too, so we're passing on the cycle of trauma. <laughs> you, after the first song, you continue to sing all of these songs, hmm. no matter where you are. It could be a restaurant, your friends could be in the, you wow. know, it doesn't matter. And they just keep singing. The waiter keeps coming. They keep singing. And so... <laughs> Two generations of unwanted song. Yes. What, what's up Not with that? Not only that, um, my dad is, sings in this um, a very... It's called the men's chorus when they sing these old ah, songs. Ah, yes. I've been forced to go to those always. I was forced to play trumpet in church and forced to... And See, so, you're, you're working through your trauma right now. I, I'm doing it. And um, <laughs> so that's what I mean when I say musical trauma in nature. Not only that, my mother's completely okay, well, here's tone a, deaf. Here's a Freudian thing for you. Then you went on and became sings. a music major. Well, you, <laughs> you see so that? So what's that all about? I'm trying to fulfill this... Uh, this dis- Parental expectations? Maybe, you know. Well, I should have gone to law school um, if I really wanted to. That was always my dream is to become a lawyer and take over my dad's firm and work side by side with my father Wearing suspenders and a three-piece suit. Is your father a bow tie lawyer? No. Okay. No. He's introduced me to one, though. I didn't didn't like the experience. No, they're My they're DWI a te- attorney yeah. is actually famous. Is he? Yes. For, uh, for his bow ties or for being well, a good lawyer? Both. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he's a bow tie lawyer. Mm. I'll, I'll tell you who he is afterwards. He's, okay. like, he's always in the paper for like freeing people who deserve to be in jail. Is he um, a, a Nestle case? Uh, yes. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. You, you may not know him, but when, when you have a lawyer, you're always looking in the paper to see where they're showing up. Like when I was yeah. like looking him up and stuff. But he's a guy that was in my dad's course. Well, if and your lawyer shows up in the paper, it's for one of two reasons. <laughs> Either a good reason or a very bad reason. Uh, I'm having... Oh, I remember his name. Okay. I, I remember. All okay. right. In any case, uh, but I digest... Digress. Um, (laughs) What I loved in Gaber Mates is a book, Gaber Mate. Uh, I love love all the new attic language I get from these smart guys. Like, he's a super smart guy, so he uses Mm -hmm. a lot of smart words. Mm -hmm. And I'm a big fan of smart words. And uh, here's one that I learned from Gaber Mate. He he was describing one of these addicts who, you know, like me, who would just be stream of consciousness, sort of like my six-year-old, just yeah. like saying one thing, everything is completely unrelated, and it's a stream of consciousness. And he called it, quote, an exercise in circumlocution. Mm, that's a great word. I love that. Yeah. 
Yep. It is a great word. So yeah. addiction word of the day. Um, so uh, we, we got a lot we could talk about Gabriel Mate. I feel like we... I think we should read the second half of the book and then well, <laughs> come, yeah. come back and talk more about Gabriel Mate. So we're going to talk more on uh, the next episode about Gabriel Mate. Um, go get the book. If I was very savvy, I'd have an Amazon link that we made a commission on and, and for, put that on our page. Can we do that by this afternoon? Maybe <sighs> Probably not. Can. In the future. That's how a lot of podcasts cast yeah. pay, pay, keep the lights on. But uh, get that uh, in the realm of Hungry Ghosts and maybe we'll do a book club on our Facebook group, mm. um, and that would be really cool. I'll link to the book uh, on Amazon. I'll also link to the TED Talk again for those of you that missed it the first time around. Like me. Um, so uh, the, the other point we were going to say is what what is addiction anyway? What WTF? Um, see, hit, okay, Gabor Mate. I think had, I hit that stuff. Did you? And no. CD addiction? Yeah, well. Trauma? Let's let's revisit it next week. We'll be a little more organized with the discussion okay. because there's a lot in there and yeah. um, and moving right around. We could along. go through a chapter by chapter, but that might bore the shit oh, out yeah. of everybody. Let's just do a graduate class and yeah. uh, unaccredited. Right. <laughs> Hardcore addiction versus gray area drinking. This is kind of like covered under the the mate stuff, isn't it? Like because you know I, we were just talking about whether like an addiction to CDs is the same as an addiction to heroin, right? Yeah. But so I think I answered my All own right. question, right? Well, yeah, yes, maybe you did. And um, I want to get to your story too. Um, on our Facebook group, we were talking about our, uh, our Facebook group before at Recovery in the Middle Ages on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And we're getting some action. People are starting to, to participate. Thank you, everybody. Yeah. Um, that's what we really want people to talk. We have that private group. In any case, we had a, uh, we had a guy named Buddy um, that was chatting, I think, with Mike. And uh, what happened? Well, actually, I was chatting with somebody else on the Facebook group who, oh. um, who, you know, I remember last week I expressed how angry I was when I ever I talked to anybody who got addicted to opiates through like a back injury. Yeah. Um, not at them, but at the, the circumstances, how that happened. So, so this guy, Hate it's the addiction, funny. love the addict. Yeah. Right at, right at, well, yeah. I mean, I'm mad at the, <laughs> the drug companies. I'm mad at the, you know, the, the doctors, you know, not, not at these, these guys. And it's funny because right after we, Right after we went down that road on the episode, I got a, uh, a, a PM from this guy who who was addicted to opiates due to a back injury that he got prescribed. Oh wow! And, um, you know, so we just went back and forth. So, you know, feel free to reach out to us via messenger because you know I I like to message with people. It's fine. Yeah, um, and we're just uh, he's fellow a, you know recovering addicts. We don't have all the answers, yeah. but we're happy to to talk to you. Yeah. So, buddy is somebody different. Um, Buddy uh, commented on a one of her posts on our uh, Facebook page. Yeah, do you want me to read it? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. But Buddy says, Buddy T, the way treatment is given sure seems like the Middle Ages. Same old failed, broken yeah. record. No accountability way of doing things is a generational failure. Millions hooked on something and growing. New facilities popping up like McDonald's. Mm-hmm. It's time for a dismantle of the current failed approach. So much more should be expected from both the facilities and those who desperately need these need their issues, given the urgency deserved. Um, the candid truth and an escape plan make people excited about withdrawals and getting it over with rather than avoiding a few weeks of it in return for years, if not decades, of methadone. In recovery, but never recovered, do your jobs, people. Don't continue to expect little. So so that was the second comment. His first comment, which uh, was in response to somebody who was saying they were sober for X number of years, he said, he, he said, don't you hate the label sober? I think a more appropriate word would be done. Sober seems like someone is compromised or less than they were. Yeah. But just sober. I say retired a lot. Retired. I'm retired. Yeah. I've had it. But I think what Buddy's saying there is that, you know, these, um, you know, it's become a big business, these these uh, treatment centers, you know, and, and people have a vested interest in keeping people coming back, <laughs> Yeah, I guess. And maybe what you need to do at some point is graduate from recovery and become recovered. Yeah, there's no, there's no graduation. You know, there's well, no diploma I mean, you can you get. do you get constant diplomas, right? Every every you get a little chip and then a cake and stuff. And sure. So that's like a little little party every year. You it's, know, it's a lifelong journey. Or is it? I think it is. I I don't think we're waking up every day. Look, I I hate it when when 
old timers will say to a newbie, you know, it's hard work every day. We've, we've mentioned this before. We work, you know, every day I struggle with uh, not ha- taking a drink. That's why I go to three meetings a day for the past 40 years. And uh, that's great that it worked for him. And um, But I think that scares a lot of people. Uh, why I would you? I don't think that's what you want the end goal to be, do you? No. Three no. meetings a day for 40 years? I no, mean, three but, meetings a week for 40 years? But you also don't want to be the guy in the big book who is able to stay dry for his entire career. This is a famous story, so AAs out there will, will recognize what I'm talking about. Uh, and it's a, and he, once he retires, he says, I've had a great life. Um, I was sober the last 40 years. Everything is great now. I'm just going to start drinking again because why not? I mm-hmm. obviously don't have a problem. And he famously dies two years later because, you know, right. He dies from being an alcoholic. And, um, I mean, does that, is that a, uh, is that a, a common? Yes. You hear this all the time. It's always brought up in the in the rooms. It's a famous story. Uh, oh no, no no! I mean I mean does that happen? Does, does that happen to more than like the that guy one in the guy? big book? And who knows if that's even true? They, they, we know the guy, the person <laughs> they were writing about is released later on. We know who it is. Who was yeah. relationship to Bob and Bill? But I don't know that. that it, to me, I feel like you still have to be like I'm not going to turn seventy. Go! I've had a good life. I think it's time to start drinking again. Like. I don't think that that's a good idea. No, I, and I think that guy's, all those years that he was sober, was he in AA? Is that part Probably. of the story? Oh, no, no. It's because he wasn't in AA. Oh. He just stayed because, dry. But if he was in AA, he, he, that never would have happened. Right, because he would go to his one meeting a month. He'd have it in the back of his mind, maybe. Mm. He wouldn't, you know, by being reminded all the time of newcomer stories, that's part of the, the formula. Even though you've got 10 years, you see somebody saying, I got one day back. And you remember how you were, and that's got to that reminds you. Hmm. So, if nothing else, just getting that reminder, you know, I could see some validity in that. Sure, but uh, I also I also think that that may not be. I mean, going to to meetings for forty years on on the off chance that one day you might go out and have a drink, ain't it worth it? I don't know. Is it? What if that one drink kills one- you because it sends you down a path, and like, well, then you're. What if that's enough? What if that's what you want? There's a whole bunch of assumptions people love cooked meetings. into that. Which you don't. Here's the difference too. You can't talk about it with a person like that. It's not. I have to go to this meeting every week. No, it's great. They love it and um, the camaraderie and going. You know, sober. But aren't bowling. those the same type of people that are li- like liable to get up in your face and tell you that if you don't follow the program 100, percent you're sure. going to be dead in six months? And and why do they say that? I don't know. Because <laughs> they believe, and they could be right, that for them that is 100 percent true, and they want everybody to know. One size fits all. Or one size fits most. I don't know. It's um, it's look. This is why we have this show because we can keep talking about this stuff, and at least one of us has an open mind. <laughs> um, well, uh, yeah. But you know what they say: have an open mind, but not so open that your brains fall out. And mm. with that, I think we should go on to recovery in the news. Yeah. Recovery in the news for Recovery this week of December 11th. Recovery. So, uh, can sort of just segueing into recovery in the news, a continuation of alternative methods of recovery. Some people um, choose AA for 40 years, and some people choose a chemically tweaked version of the psychedelic drug, drug Ibogaine. Um the story was on NPR this week. Uh, progress towards a safer psychedelic drug to treat depression and addiction. Um, I guess there have been some researchers out there who have been monkeying with the chemical composition of ibogaine. Uh, ibogaine has been used to treat um, opiate addiction for a long time now. I remember that this was a thing going back into the eighties and seventies. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I only heard about it on uh, on another pod on Dopey Nation. Uh, that's the only time I've heard of someone trying to use it. I mean, it's definitely kind of an underground thing because it's not legal and it's very dangerous. Apparently, you know, death is one side effect of taking too much ibogaine. Death is a side effect of life, though. That's true. Um, But I I think people who... My my understanding is people who drift into the ibogaine world and start looking at that as a treatment are people who have tried just about everything else and are just desperate to to try something that works. Um, well, uh, in the article, um, 
they, in the journal Nature, they are quoted as saying, what we need is a medicine that is so safe, mm-hmm. you can take it home and put it in your medicine cabinet, just like you would aspirin, says David Olson. Right. And that's what they were trying to do. I love aspirin. Yeah. Aspirin's um, great. Because, well, the question they're trying to answer is, um, do you need the psychedelic experience to benefit from the drug, from a drug like Ibogaine or from a drug like psilocybin? Or is there something else oh. in that drug that is causing you to... Like CBD. ...them to find these results that are even without... So so they tweaked the version of Ibogaine, and the tweaked version was also showing um, statistically significant recovery rates for people from opiates, alcohol, and a couple other things. Oh, that's weird. So yeah. it kind of acts so, like naltrexone or... So maybe it's not the psychedelic... Maybe it's not you... You know, it seeing might. the face of yeah. God in your pancakes or something <laughs> <laughs> that you need, it's, you know, it's something else in there, which is kind of interesting, you know, that they, uh, so they're going to keep working on that. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, I think it's along the lines of like ayahuasca. Is it, I feel like the ibogaine plant, it's one of those, it's like a similar thing. Like it's part of some cultures psychedelic, you know, spiritual practices. I think the, the Ibogaine, Ibogaine plant. Is that where that came from? Yeah. Is it, is it from like, uh, it's African. Something I think like it's an that. African yeah. uh, root of some sort. Ibogaine is just like the, um, the brand of it, but it's something else like Ibucoco or something. You know, the <laughs> actual plant is called Ibo something. And so some genius marketing guy at, you know, Pfizer was like, Ibogaine. Yeah, I think I think could be wrong. Um, I don't know. It's funny though that the, they say um, you know in the story they were talking about wh- why they were messing with it, and they're saying, well, it provides a roadmap on how we can start tweaking these chemical compounds to keep them very useful in the clinic. She says, keep the good parts, get rid of the bad parts. What's the bad part? The is bad that part. The, is that the, the, the psychedelic part? I don't know. Or well, maybe it's the death part. The death right? part might be the bad part. Mm. Um, yeah. Well, there's a lot of studies now about. Um, psychedelics and treating PTSD. Yeah. And, and I think I've got to, I'm working on my unified field theory of addiction. And I think one of the components I'm going to put in there and my white paper that I'm going to put out at some point, <laughs> but, uh, I need you to help me write it. Um, we should do a white paper. Can people who aren't scientists do that? Anybody can do a white Anybody paper. Anybody write a white paper? Yeah. All right. I definitely want to do that just so I can say, well, we published a white paper well, about this. Getting it published is a whole other thing. Well, you just have to upload it to your own, website. We'd have to create our own journal. <laughs> I think. Done. Yeah. Middleagesrecovery.com slash journal. We're accepting, uh, not only are we accepting writings about your drug experiences, but if you have any research Extensive that you're sitting research. on, send it, send it along. <laughs> I'm dead serious. Yeah. Speaking of research, um, so that's recovery in the news, I think. It is. All day. All night. Yeah. Christmas recovery in the news. It's a red button. It is a red button. And what now, are we up to? Um, what do you mean up to? What are we up to? Up to this week in. See, that was my cue for you to say this week in weird. So uh, I can do that. We're getting it. Okay. Former Israeli space security chief says extraterrestrials exist. And Trump knows about it. Of course he knows about it. The unidentified flying objects, this is a quote, by the way, the unidentified flying objects have asked not to publish that they are here. Humanity is not ready yet, end quote. Haim Eshed, former head head of Israel's Defense Ministry's Space Directorate, Hmm. told Israel's Yediat Aharonat newspaper. The interview in Hebrew ran on Friday and gained traction after parts were published in English by the Jerusalem Post on Tuesday. A respected professor and retired general, Eshed, said the aliens were equally curious about humanity and were seeking to understand, quote, the fabric of the universe. There is an agreement between the U.S. government and the aliens, he said. They signed a contract with us to do experiments here, end quote. (laughs) Is Trump an experiment, one of the experiments? Eshed added that... President Donald J. Trump was aware of the extraterrestrial's existence and had been, quote, on the verge of revealing information, but was asked not to in order to prevent mass hysteria. Who asked him not to reveal that? The aliens. Oh. The aliens. Well, you got to follow along here. This is not some hick chewing on a haystalk or whatever in a field. You know, this is the former Israeli defense 
minister of space director <laughs> like listen what is this if i read this that is, story how is this not true i read this i started freaking out i was like this is it this is the smoking gun and then later on in a paragraph that you somehow conveniently cut out of the outline he says um in fact Just kidding. he says in fact u.s astronauts right now are on a secret subterranean base on mars with the aliens uh-huh. communicating with them well what problem do you have i don't that? think we've actually been to mars but you've got the Israeli defense minister telling you they do. Did why, the Isra- why, Isra- why don't you believe that? Did Israel somehow do a Mars shot that we're not aware of? Like, did they secretly launch a rocket to Mars that nobody else knows about? No. Or is everybody hiding this? Everybody. Everybody's hiding. in on the conspiracy. Yes. All the governments. Yes. See? People are not competent enough to keep a conspiracy that big. What about? Could never happen. You know what the answer to that is? What about the Manhattan Project? Over 150,000 people knew all about that, worked on it, and never did it leak. Did it never leak? Never. Hmm. So that's what people will answer when you say that to a paranormal that guy. Was, that was in wartime. So? And that was one group of scientists out in the desert in the middle of nowhere. We've been in a cold war. Before the internet. The cold war. Hmm. That's where it started. Roswell, 1947. <laughs> so... So you think that there's a secret subterranean base on Mars that the aliens and U.S. astronauts are currently hashing out, what, universal domination or whatever they're doing? And what are these experiments? Why is he not providing details? So if you want to know the answers to this. I am a skeptic. And more. If you want to know the answers, subscribe to our new paranormal podcast. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we did have a a Facebook person who wants us to do an episode solely on paranormal stuff. When when we miraculously have more time and money, (laughs) we are doing it. We could, you know what? I'll do all the research. You just have to react. Works for me. You just sit there and react. I listen to another couple of podcasts <laughs> where there's this one financial podcast I listen to called uh, it's Motley Fool Money. It's, yeah. a daily, it's a daily podcast. I know Motley Fool. Great, great show. Great hosts. Yeah. Um, every year they do a couple of episodes they call apropos of nothing. That they're they're not they have nothing to do with finance. They have nothing to do with investing. It's just the host and his his favorite sidekick buddy um, talking about weird shit like you know who would win between like yeah. Indiana Jones and some you know, like stuff Dude, like that premium content yeah. when we do a Patreon I think we could we'll do uh, premium content stuff I think we should do one of these episodes about paranormal stuff and just put it out as a bonus yeah to the if fans. anybody see if anyone likes it yeah um, so anyway a uh, lot more to discuss on that let, let us know your thoughts we should have a special group just people making fun of the stories we pick uh, and that is this week in weird all right that about does it for us this week folks please now, this is over we go do a little coke <laughs> yeah we'll do follow us on Facebook Twitter and Twitter a twat you twit the uh, Instagram, Apple Podcast, please write a review, say hello, go to our Facebook page, send us a message, um, middleagesrecovery.com. And thanks again for listening. And as we say here, non proficiat perfectum. Progress, not perfection. Have a great week. See you next time. Be good, kids. Bye.